Thank you, Jordan, for reading our scripture tonight. We are looking at Mark 10, passage that was read a moment ago, verses 28 through 31. We're very grateful for the opportunity to be here tonight. We appreciate so much your presence. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. Very grateful to those of you that visit us from time to time, and we hope that you are warmly greeted here. I do want to just mention very quickly that we had a great luncheon this afternoon in honor of our graduates and uh, appreciate so much all the work that went into making that a reality. I know that it took a lot of time and effort to plan and to prepare it, and we appreciate uh, everything that was done to make it such a special occasion. We wish nothing but the best for all of our graduates, and we're very proud of you and hope that God will bless you with a rich, rich life. And uh, when we think about all the blessings that we enjoy in life, I think about the blessings of being young and the opportunities that lay ahead. And I know that great things are going to come from our graduates, and we are very, very, very proud of you. Tonight, as we look at Mark chapter 10, I want to call attention for just a moment or two to our lesson text as we think about the theme together, the rewards of following the Lord. I want to begin tonight by saying there are a lot of blessings associated with the Christian life. And many of us have been blessed immeasurably to belong to the family of God and to be a part of the church and to enjoy such rich relationships. And there are so many blessings that it'd be very difficult for us to enumerate all the many blessings that we enjoy. And I know that ultimately our goal, our hope, is eternal life. We want to one day be together in heaven. And that, that is possible by living for the Lord day in and day out. And while there are many, many rewards for following the Lord, ultimately our goal is heaven, as I said a moment ago. But I want us to think for a minute or two about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus and the blessings that follow. And I think in this context, we find many, many blessings reside in the Lord. I want to begin by going back to verse 17 in our text. We have an account of a young man, a rich young ruler, coming to Jesus and asking him a very important question. He wants to know, good teacher, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded by asking him a question, and the Lord often asked questions in response to questions. And so he said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And the young ruler replied by saying, teacher, all these I've observed from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, the text says, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. And Mark tells us in verse 22 that this man was sad at this word and went away grieved for he had great possessions. And so then we find Jesus looking around and saying to the disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. 
Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Note if you would, Jesus didn't say there's anything wrong with being wealthy in life. There are many, many people that have been good people, godly people down through the years. They've had an abundance of material wealth, but they have sought to serve the Lord to the best of their ability. But what Jesus said, the problem, however, the problem that sometimes comes in is when they trust in their riches. And so the Lord said, verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And then in verse 28 we have our lesson text. And the text tells us that Peter began to say to him, and you think about the apostles, the disciples, those that had the opportunity to spend some three, three and a half years with the Lord during his earthly ministry. If anyone were going to raise a question or make an observation, typically you would expect Peter to do that, wouldn't you? And so here, here's what Peter said. See, we've left all and followed you. Now, if you go back to Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 4, you remember Peter and Andrew were fishermen. And Jesus called them. They were out fishing. They had been fishing, and they had been on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus told them He was going to make them fishers of men. And Matthew says, immediately they left their nets and followed Him. They made a tremendous sacrifice to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you recall over in Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were interrogated by the Sanhedrin council following the healing of a lame man at the gate of the temple, you recall as they stood before the Sanhedrin council, they recognized that Peter and John were uneducated and untrained men. But they marveled, why? Because they had been with Jesus. They had not been to any formal school, any formal rabbinical school. They had not been blessed with the opportunity to sit at the feet of a Gamaliel, as Saul of Tarsus was. But nonetheless, they had spent three, three and a half years with the Lord Jesus Christ, and He made a profound difference in their lives. So when Jesus encouraged them to follow Him, He would ultimately bless them immeasurably. And so Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many, are, many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now, Having looked at the setting, I want to just begin tonight by maybe spending a minute or two and talking about the resolve to follow the Lord. Now Peter said, Lord, we've left all and followed you. When we think about what is involved in following the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously it's incumbent on all who would follow the Lord Jesus Christ to leave all. And Peter here says, Lord, we have, 
left all and followed you. Do you remember, do you remember back during the ministry of Christ in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24? Jesus would say, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then I think about it in Luke chapter 14 when Jesus talked about those who would become his disciples. He said they would have to love me above father and mother and brothers and sisters and wife and children. He said, yes, even his own life. And so there's a lot involved in following the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we talk about leaving all to follow Jesus, first and foremost, there's a change in our priorities, isn't there? It's no longer about us. And sometimes when we talk about, when we talk about life, we tend to get in our own way, don't we? And what Jesus is saying is, if you want to follow me, you've got to change your priorities. I've got to become the focal point of life. You've got to put me first, as Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Sometimes that's easier said than done. And so I think about changing our priorities and making sure that in terms of our priorities and commitments, the Lord is at the top. The Lord wants to be number one in life. So there's a change in our priorities. And look, we all have priorities in life. We all have obligations and responsibilities. We have family responsibilities. We have occupational responsibilities. I mean, there are a lot of things that are on the plates of a lot of people in the world today, specifically those of us who belong to the family of God. So prioritizing things in life. So there's a change in our priorities, and then there is a change in our passions. And Jesus said in Luke 14 that if you want to follow me, you've got to be willing to put me ahead of your own family members. And sadly, sometimes family members become an obstacle in following the Lord. Sometimes people are unwilling to live for the Lord Jesus Christ because of family obligations. Or maybe because of the religious ties of a family, of the family. And so, what about our passion? It's good to love your family. It's good to love your friends. It's good to love yourself. But the Lord wants us to love Him supremely, doesn't He? Do you remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 when asked what's the great commandment? Jesus said you're, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all of your heart soul and mind. This is the first and great commandment, to love the Lord supremely. And if we love the Lord supremely, what are we going to do? We're going to honor His Word, aren't we? We're going to live for Him. We, we think about leaving all to follow the Lord. Well, that encompasses a lot. And you think about taking the Word of God and saying, okay, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do, Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I think about leaving all to follow the Lord, and then living for the Lord. Now, Peter said, we've left all and followed you. Now, when you think about the magnitude of Peter's statement, by way of occupation, Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they too were fishermen. And I have no doubt they were very skilled and good at their trade. And yet they were willing to walk away from that. They were willing to prioritize their lives. 
They demonstrated their love for the Lord on a regular basis, but then day in and day out, they were trying to live for Him, weren't they? This morning in our lesson, I was talking about the importance of building our lives on the Lord. And not just building our lives on the Lord, but building our lives around the Lord. Again, I think about our graduates and what tremendous opportunities lay before them. They have the world before them. And I really believe that they can do anything they set their mind to. God has blessed them with good minds, with good health, and they've got good families, and so we expect great things from them. But the importance of living for the Lord and building, building our lives on the Lord and around the Lord. Now we're talking about the rewards of serving the Lord. And whether young or old, to build our lives on the Lord really entails making sure that the Lord is the bedrock of life, that He is the foundation, and that everything is built upon that foundation. And then you think about building your life around the Lord. And I would encourage all of us, when we talk about building our lives around the Lord, Peter and the other disciples had the opportunity to spend about three, three and a half years with the Lord. And so they had the opportunity to see firsthand the tremendous signs or miracles that Jesus performed. They heard His message over and over again. That message resonated with them. Now, look, they were not, they were not as we would say, a finished product, not even following the death and resurrection of Jesus. But they continued to mature and to grow. And they built their lives on the Lord, and then they built their lives around the Lord. So when you read the book of Acts, what do you see? You see individuals who were fervently serving the Lord. So how can we build our lives around the Lord? I'd encourage us to build, build our lives around, number one, worshiping God regularly. God will bless your life if you make it a point to worship Him on a regular basis. It's a privilege to come together every first day of the week. It's a privilege to come together to study with people of like faith. And worship will lock us in and help us to remember who we are and whose we are. Because after all, we are bowing in the presence of an Almighty God. And then build your life not just around worshiping God, but build your life around the Word of God. Spend time every day reading and studying and meditating on the truth of God. I promise you it'll bless your life. If you'll spend just a few minutes every day, whether it's early morning, I'd encourage you to spend a little bit of time in the Word early in the morning. Before you go to bed at night, maybe read some passages and reflect upon those passages. Develop a plan of reading and studying and meditating on the Scriptures. And the more you study, the more you're going to grow, spiritually speaking. You remember the psalmist of old who meditated on the law of the Lord day and night? You remember in Psalm 119, 97, when the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law, it's my meditation all the day. There's something to be said for feeding on the Word of God. And then there's a third thing I would suggest. 
And that is lock into the work of God. Now again, we're talking about building our lives on the Lord and around the Lord. If you want to build your life around the Lord, you do it by faithfully worshiping God, by faithfully reading and studying the Word of God, and then being involved in the work of God. Why? Because there's a sense of connection there. The deeper your service in the Lord, the deeper your connection to the cause of Christ and to fellow members. There's more to Christianity than just being what I would call a worship society. To be active. There are a lot of, there are a lot of folks that do a lot of things for the cause of Christ behind closed doors. No one knows about it. They're not visible works, but they're working nonetheless. And so if you'll do these things, they will help to keep you connected to God. And they will help you stay connected to the people of God. Now, what I want to do in the second place is talk for a minute or two about some of the rewards of serving the Lord or following the Lord. And it's very easy to follow when we talk about the rewards for following the Lord. The lesson is very simplistic. And I hope that you will benefit from some of these thoughts. When you think about the rewards for following the Lord, I want to suggest that above all, when you choose to live a life for the Lord Jesus Christ, you are choosing a better life. I wish there were people in the world that understood that. When you decide to follow Jesus, you are saying, I want a better life. And I promise you, the Lord will give you a better life. You will enjoy a rich, rich life in Christ. I think about in Ephesians 1, verse 3, where Paul talks about every spiritual blessing known to man resides in Christ Jesus. And you think about the riches of being in Christ. There's a fellow by the name of Gaius that John wrote about in 3 John. And Gaius, and Gaius may not have prospered Materially speaking, his health may not have been the best, but John said his soul was prospering. So when you live for the Lord Jesus Christ, what you're saying is, I want a better way of life. Well, how so? I think there are a couple of things that the Lord can give us that the world cannot give us. Number one, God can give us peace. Now just pause and think about that for a minute. Many, many years ago, Isaiah the prophet in chapter 57 and about verse 21, Isaiah said, There is no peace, says the Lord, or says my God, for the wicked. And yet, in Christ, Paul said, We have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Do you not think that there are people in our world today whose lives are anything but peaceful? I mean, you think about enjoying peace with your Creator. The rewards of following the Lord. To know that I have peace with God and then that I have the peace of God. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul would discuss the problem of anxiety. You remember he said, "...in nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God." And then he said, "...and the peace of God..." that passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
to experience that peace. The peace that cannot be stolen or taken from you. That's, that's one of the great benefits of being in Christ. A better life. So you have peace, and then, let me give you a second thing, purpose. Aren't there people in our world tonight that are looking for purpose in life? And you think about how many people in our world today have tried this and that, and they've looked here and they've looked there. And they've been looking for something to lock on to and to say, you know what, I found my niche, I found my purpose in life. God can give you a sense of purpose in His kingdom. You have talents and abilities that maybe are unique to you and you alone. So you can find purpose in life. Solomon was a man that had the opportunity to experience a lot of different things in life. And I think about the Queen of Sheba when she came and examined the wisdom of Solomon. She said, look, the half hasn't been told. Solomon had the opportunity to try a lot of different things in life, and yet all of the things that he tried, materially speaking, physically, physically speaking, didn't necessarily give him that sense of worth and purpose. So in chapter 12, he said, okay, here it is. Here's the conclusion of my studies. My studies have led me to the conclusion that fearing God and keeping His commandments, that this is what life is all about. When you serve the Lord, you are living in such a way so that you bring honor and glory to God. That's purpose. We exist to bring honor and glory to God in heaven, don't we? Did you know that God is glorified in the church? That's what Paul said in Ephesians 3, verse 21. That means when we serve the Lord, when we labor in His kingdom, when we live as we're supposed to, we are bringing honor and glory to our Creator. So, the rewards of following the Lord. First and foremost, it's a better life. But then not only is it a better life, but it is a blessed life. Now, I want you to listen again to what Peter said. We've left all and followed you. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Christianity will make you a better person. I said it will give you a better life. When you become a child of God, you become a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter, a better grandparent, a better sibling. You become a better employee, a better employer. You become a better person, don't you? Because you're living by the principles of Scripture. You're honest. You've got integrity. You've got moral values. You've got a sense of worth. You've got self-esteem. Because you understand who your Creator is. You understand where you came from, what you're doing here, where you're going. And you understand that what you gave up in the world is far less than what you gained in Christ Jesus. And so as a result of that, you're a better steward. 
and the things that we possess in this life, at best, we're just stewards, aren't we? It's kind of like when somebody gives you the keys to an automobile and says, it's yours. Well, it won't last forever. But as long as you have it, it's yours. What happens if you die? Well, somebody else gets it. You're just a steward of it. Even though maybe your name's on the title, you're just a steward of that. So what about this blessed life in Christ? I want to suggest that above all, we enjoy forgiveness through the Lord. Is there anything better than knowing that your sins are forgiven? To not have to deal with the guilt and the shame and the stain of sin? Peter, it's a great character study. And you well know that Peter would oftentimes speak before he thought. And Peter came to understand something about the importance of forgiveness, didn't he? Do you remember when Jesus told the disciples that he was going to be leaving? And Peter said, look, Lord, everybody may deny you, but you can count on me. I'll stand by you, Lord. What happened? Denied him three times, didn't he? In John chapter 21, we find Jesus after the resurrection coming and talking to the disciples. And guess who was there? Peter was. And the Lord asked Peter a profound question. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I like you. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Lord, you know I like you. The third time, Simon, do you love me? The restoration of Simon Peter. The fact that though he fell, the Lord was not through with him. And to know that we can be forgiven. I mean, you think about Pentecost Day. Of all of the apostles that could have been quoted and recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost Day, the birth of the church, the sermon that we have preserved is by whom? By Peter. And Peter preached the Christ, the crucified and resurrected Christ. And when they asked on that occasion, because they'd been pricked or cut to the heart, when they wanted to know, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, let me tell you what, I got the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to enjoy forgiveness of sins and become a part of that kingdom that Jesus established. Well, what was that? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. 3,000 people, some 3,000 people on that day obeyed the gospel. And you can read of the apostle Peter and the other apostles preaching, preaching and teaching forgiveness. I love the words of the psalmist in the long ago when he said, But there is forgiveness with you, O Lord. Aren't you grateful to serve a loving God that's willing to forgive? And then to serve a God that, let's just say we've been baptized into Christ and we are a part of the church. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Do we make mistakes sometimes? Yes. 
Do we succumb to temptation? Well, of course we do. And yet to know that as long as we're walking in the light, the blood of Christ is constantly cleansing us from sin. That when we do mess up in life, that we have the assurance that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I would emphasize what John said in 1 John 1 verse 9 when he said, He is faithful. When God says He'll do something, He'll do it. So you think about a blessed life. You've chosen a better way of life. And Peter said, Lord, we've left all and followed you. Well, let me tell you what, they signed on for a better life and they, they signed on for a blessed life. Not only is there forgiveness with the Lord, but there is also a family in the Lord. When you become a child of God, let me tell you what, you become a member of the largest family in the world. It's called God's family. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul talks about the house of God. Did you know that you are a part of God's beloved family? In Ephesians 2.19, Paul said, You're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look, we're family. Those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we are family. Have we not gained? Have we not gained brothers and sisters? In some sense of the word, is it not the case that some of us have gained a second mother, a second father? Yes. Haven't there been occasions in Christ where older members have taken younger members under their wings and they've sought to mentor and tutor and train them and help grow them in Christ? Yes. They've helped to grow them in life. And so you think about as a child of God, we have a family John said in 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of the children of God. God's our Father. And we're heirs of God. And as Paul said in Romans chapter 8, we are joint heirs with Christ. There's not a greater family on earth than God's family. And we're members of that family. So you think about being blessed. And let me tell you what, you can go, you can go to a lot of remote places in, in this world and you know what you'll find? You'll find people of like faith. To be a part of a family is special. But to be a part of God's family, can't put it into words. There's a third thing. We talk about a blessed life. Did you know that we have a friend in the Lord? Remember the song, I'll be a friend, I'll be a friend to Jesus? Did you know that when you become a follower of the Lord, and you talk about the rewards of living for the Lord and serving the Lord and following the Lord, Jesus is your friend. Now, there's a lot to be said for friends. I've been blessed through my life with some rich, rich friendships. Solomon in the long ago said, There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Could I say to you tonight that if you are in Christ, you have a friend in Jesus and He will stick by you. Why? Because He is your brother. Friends are special, aren't they? Somebody wrote one time that a friend is one before whom I may think aloud. Is it not the case when we think about the Lord that we've got somebody that's going to stand by us 
day in, day out, come what may. Why? Because that's what friends do. When Paul wrote to Timothy in the long ago, Paul said, at my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. But then listen to what he said. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Do you remember the Hebrew writer when he said on behalf of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Why? Because that's what friends do. The Lord is our friend. And what the Lord is saying to us is, I will stand by you come what may. Why? Because you're mine. So, we've got an ally in the Lord. And then let me add this to it. I mentioned a moment ago that a friend is one before whom I may think think aloud. Did you know that because the Lord is our friend, we have the privilege of casting whatever cares we may have in this world on His shoulders. Now, Peter has just said, Lord, we've left all and followed You. The same one who said that wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care on Him, for He cares for you. Do you think Peter knew something about needing a friend? Jesus said, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you, John 15, 14. Do you think Peter knew something about the Lord as a friend who would stand by him? You think he knew something about a friend who cared for him? Let me tell you what, talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words, don't they? When the Lord says that we can cast our cares on him, When the Lord says that He cares for us, we can take that to the bank, can't we? Can't buy that kind of friendship. Well, that's the kind of friend you have in the Lord. And then let me just close by saying this. You want to know why we're blessed and why we have a better life? Because we've got a future with the Lord, don't we? Listen again to what Jesus said. He said, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions. And then, here it is. And in the age to come, eternal life. When I talk about eternal life, I'm not talking about some pie in the sky, hope so, think so, maybe so. And when the Lord talks about eternal life, He's not talking about that either. I'm just echoing what the Lord said. And the Bible says that those of us who belong to the family of God, who have a friend in the Lord, we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. So that means when we come to the end of this life, and we are looking face, we are looking death in the eyes, We say, you know what? We're going to a better place. We're going to be with God's people and we're going to be in the presence of God. As Paul said in the long ago, to live is Christ, to die is gain, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Let me tell you, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have the hope of heaven. And nobody can take that from you. Remember Jesus said, lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. You've You've got a lot laid up before you called eternal life. I want to go to heaven, don't you? And I think about the fact that I can live every day knowing that if something happens to my life, 
If I were to have a stroke or an aneurysm or a blood clot or whatever and leave this world, I've got the hope of heaven, and you do too. That's the rewards of following the Lord. We're safe in Christ, aren't we? Don't we read, don't we sing the song, Anywhere with Jesus I Can Safely Go? It's true, isn't it? Let's close by, let's close by just thinking about how great it is to be a part of the family of God. I, I hope that in some, in some way you've gotten a glimpse of the great rewards that you can have in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, I would hope and pray that you would give strong consideration tonight to becoming a child of God. I promise you this, if you'll become a child of God, God will give you a better life. He'll give you a blessed life. And let me say this in closing. There are a lot of people in our world tonight, they'd like a do-over when it comes to life. They'd like to somehow wipe the slate clean and say, let me start again. Well, physically we can't do that, but in Christ we can start again through the new birth. That new birth, that new birth will give you a new beginning, which will then give you new blessings. So what would you need to do? Well, do what Peter said. Acts 2, verse 38, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. God will put you in the church. He'll put you in His family. And you live for Him day in, day out. One day you'll stand before Him, and guess what? He will place on your head the crown of life. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we urge you to come to Christ. If you're here tonight, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, you want the prayers of the church, could we encourage you to come to Christ tonight, knowing that God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.